Cherry's World is brought to you by Less is More Events. Get live. Nobody ever thought I was going to have a kid. No. <laughs> Steve Harvey met Cherry and said, how to act like a lady and think like a man. Cherry <laughs> is a dude that is a woman. Yeah. I love that you say that because the guy who's coming on after you is the executive producer of uh, Think Like a Man. Oh, really? <laughs> yes. Right. Well, there you go. <laughs> Um, but you're right about that. I'm learning now. I'm like, yeah, she really has a lot of dude characteristics. <laughs> for real. And this is not like no new stuff that she evolved into. She always been like that. Really? Like, the game is so cold-blooded. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, somebody didn't got their feelings hurt, I see. <laughs> oh, I'm like, Sherry. <laughs> Stop, somebody will try to kill you. <laughs> True. This is the think like a man. Um, you got to tell them you the real person. You tell them. Whoever that is, you are You are their book. You are that book. Rashawn McDonald. He, that's him. Tell him. You are the real person. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Welcome to Cherry's World. Cherry's World podcast. We got an exciting show for you today. We got an Emmy Award winner in the house. Courtney has booked Mr. Rashawn McDonald. He is the spokesperson for the Perfect Big Scale. He is also ESPN's Stephen A. Smith's business manager. Along with that, if that's not enough, he is the host of TV show Money Making Conversations. So without further ado, let's welcome Mr. Rashawn McDonald. <laughs> This is Cherry's World. Making Memories Sales Series. It's a sale that allows families and people in our communities in any city, state, or showtime to attend a series of events at a lower price than most, such as like the Trolls Live, Disney on Ice, the Universal Soul Circus, concerts, sports, and more. Contact Less Is More Events at 202 930 3533. Again, that's 202-930-3533. Visit the website, com. They're on social media, Facebook, IG, Twitter. Less is more events. Get out and lime. If you're listening to Cherry's World Podcast on Apple Podcasts and iTunes, please give us a five star. Let us know what you think. Leave us a review. I want to hear from you. Thank you. Would you like to advertise on Cherry's World and have your product placed on Cherry's social media for the world to see? Email us now at cherriesworldpodcast at gmail.com for low introductory rates. Cherry's World Podcast. Get heard. Welcome to Cherry's World. I don't know if you heard Kelly. Kelly played Laura on Family Matters. I definitely know her. Absolutely. And that was Kelly that was on and said, y'all made that movie Think Like a Man After Me. Mm-hmm. Why you say that? She, uh, you, you would have to ask her, but she says that I'm, I'm just a dude, and I think like a man. <laughs> I do. I grew up with eight brothers, so. I grew up with six sisters. Did you? Yes. Yeah, so you got me by two. Wow. How did that impact the way that you feel about women? Well, four of them are older than me. Okay, and so. Um, so my, you know, of course, my whole life is about respecting women. My whole approach, you know, I always tell people ever since I was 18 years old, my passion has always been to help people. I just didn't really understand it until I got into my 40s that this was my gift. My gift was uplift. My gift was to provide. 
a talent that God gave me and share it. And it, I always tell people, if I give you an idea and you make a million dollars with that idea, I'm fine with that. Because that was an idea I was not going to use to make no money on because it wasn't part of my gift process. Wow. And when they came to you with the idea of executive producing it, what was your first thought? Well, I think my first thought was anything. You know, I'm a black person. These opportunities are rare. And uh, don't be nervous. Don't be afraid to look at the opportunity. You know, when I look at my whole life, whether, you know, with college, my degree is in mathematics. I worked at I'm one of the first people as a comedian to perform on cruise ships, Norwegian cruise lines and Royal Caribbean cruise lines. Um, a sitcom writer. Um, Steve Harvey and I, when I managed him, started managing him in 2000. Um, you know, Daytime Talk, which was launched in 2012. It was said that Katie Kirk, uh, uh, Jeff Prose, uh, all these people were supposed to beat us because Daytime was not ready for a black man. And so that was a lie. When we did Think Like a Man, we weren't supposed to be number one at the box office. We did it twice. Uh, Family Feud. Uh, when we took over that, it was 1.5 in the ratings. It was supposed to be, you know, when you, usually when you give an opportunity to a black person, usually they've, they've looked everywhere else and failed, and they look at you now, okay? And we turned the show that the ratings of 1.5 after the first season, the ratings soared to 2.4, and now it's the highest rated game show in television today. And some cities plays it back to back to back to back, two-hour blocks, and it penetrates 100% of the country. And then when you think like think like the book Think Like a Man Think Like a Act Like a Lady, uh, that book sold three million copies worldwide, uh, generated over sixty million dollars in book sales. It was translated in thirty languages. Wow! So that was a no-brainer for you. No, there's nothing's no-brainer. You know, I think that I think that a lot of times we 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 think this. You know, the interesting thing about it, because we are not engaged in the process at such an early age, if you if you go to corporate opportunity, you see they'll bring their kids in. You go to sets, you see their kids show up. And so so basically the kid feels like this is part of the process. And so we don't do that. We we can't we can't bring our kids if we're a forklift driver. We can't bring our kids, you know, if we're doing manual labor and things like that. That's why it's important that we ascend beyond manual labor and start using brain labor. And then that makes a difference on how your kids approach what they can do in life. Absolutely. So let me give you, this is story time with Courtney Rashawn. Um, <laughs> in, in 2012, I, I'm, in, I'm in Chicago and I go to yes, a, a taping of the Steve Harvey show. Um, right. And I tell my wife, I said, you see that guy walking out with that suit on right there? I said, I don't know who he is, but I guarantee you he's the most important person in here, not named Steve Harvey. And she says, she says, why you say that? He ain't saying nothing. He just standing on the wall. And I said, pay attention during breaks. And then she said, you know what? Every time during breaks, Steve keeps walking to him, asking him what he thinks. And he's watching the camera. I said, he's important. I got home that night and I Googled who's behind Steve Harvey. And that's when I saw your face. And I've been a fan of yours since. And me and Junior are pretty cool. And so I always ask him questions about you and everything like that. So it was just an honor for me. Then when I met you at um, First Take, taping in Chicago, so it was like real dope to have you on. Uh, do you, uh, have you and Cherry ever crossed paths? Because uh, she's, she's been on the Parkers and I saw you um, produce a show, show on, on the Parkers. I did the Parkers from 1998. Actually, I was doing, I was co-executive producing the Jane and Fox show in 1998. I did the Parkers, I think, for from 1999 to 2000 because right. I was starting to manage Steve Harvey because I was doing the I launched him on a local radio station called WBA what called 92.3 to beat and we took that station which was rated at the time 19 in the market to number one in six months so so with Sherry we probably have seen each other on the set you know and we, I'm pretty sure our face looks very familiar so that means you know I mean well you did the Jamie Foxx show, and we did Family Matters. We were neighbors. Right. We That's probably right, right, because that was on Warner Brothers' lot. And, yes. uh, and so, you know, the thing about it is that in this business, you know, I had an opportunity to uh, – Steve Harvey gave my first break as a writer on ABC, on Me and the Boys. Oh. And I had an opportunity to work for uh, Robert Townsend, 
uh, Arsenio Hall, uh, Sister Sisters, the Twins, T and Tamara Maori, Jamie Foxx, and uh, Monique. Out of those two, two of them won Oscars. That was Jamie Foxx and Monique. And so I, I launched the careers of Kim Whitley, uh, Gabrielle Union, just to name a few. Um, uh, Lala Anthony went on the radio at the beat. So uh, the Tari Turner, who has this very good movie, if you haven't seen it, it's called Uncork. That's on uh, Netflix. It's an amazing movie. I've seen it twice. And so I just look at my legacy and realize that I've done what I was supposed to do, what God has enabled me to do as a, as a, as a person who's willing to share my talents and also let people know that they can be great too. Well, for me, uh, radio is two people that made me want to do radio. Uh, Mar watching Martin on the Martin show, he needs to be a radio there guy. You go. There and you then, go. and then Steve Harvey, because Steve Harvey actually used to do radio in Chicago before he came out to you guys. And, and I was never really with Tom Joyner because my mom, she is, she listened to Tom Joyner. No, no disrespect. Yes, she sir. Listened to, yes, sir. But so Steve Harvey was Def Jam. So I I'll automatically started listening to the Steve Harvey show. And then when y'all became syndicated, it was, what was it like? Cause it seems like it's a lot of Houston people on that show. Um, Junior, Tommy, Carla, um, and then I see J. Anthony Brown. Yeah, he's not from Houston, but uh, did you like have a lot of input in putting all this? Absolutely. I'm, I'm from Houston, Texas. I'm born right. and raised in Houston, Texas. Uh, born here, went to high school here, graduated from college, University of Houston, where I got my math degree, was done in Houston, Texas. Uh, Tommy's character, which we started in Los Angeles, was a character that I used to do on radio uh, in Houston, Texas. And then Carla, she was a program director, a music director for a radio station that I used to be the, the sidekick on in Houston, Texas. And so in 2005, when we got an opportunity to do syndication after we left our contract uh, with uh, 92.3 The Beat and didn't have another contract, by the way, we just went out on faith and planning that this was gonna be a bigger opportunity because I always felt that Steve was bigger than LA. I always felt that his brand, his brand, spoke to more people than just one market and that which i believe proved to be true and so carla came on board as my music director and i eventually moved as an on-air talent and tommy came on as his play nephew and we played off that he was his real nephew for comedy effects but we all know now that nephew tommy and steve harvey are not related i didn't know that until you just said it <laughs> i didn't know i didn't know that <laughs> that was the whole premise that was the whole premise of how we did the show you know was the you know, have a have a have a have a, a kid that was uncontrollable that Steve had to answer to, but knew he couldn't fire him. So, so you know, you know that whole thing. You you hire family, you cry with family, okay? And that was the whole premise of the character. He was stupid, but you can't fire him because guess what? You gotta call mama. You call mama. That's a different conversation. <laughs> uh, so, when did you? Because you guys did the hoodie awards. Yes, and, and, and so. And you guys were like on top, and and then he had the opportunity to go to L.A. for do the show, and then that's when you stopped managing them, right? Well, I I, I stopped managing Steve Harvey in we uh, in 2016 uh, because of the fact that I, I wanted to define my legacy. Um, you know, I looked up and realized that uh, Steve Harvey had a career. Mm -hmm. I, I I didn't. I, I I built a brand where he was a, a host of Miss Universe. He was hosting um, a Little Big Shots. He had a talk yeah. show, a syndicated radio show. He had Family Feud syndicated, Family Feud celebrity version, uh, Showtime at the Apollo, and Rashawn McDonald was, was sitting back there going, collecting one check. And so I felt that I wanted to talk about some things. And that's why, and believe me, when I left my relationship with Steve Harvey, I didn't really have a plan. I just knew that I had to make a plan and, and and figure this out and so i left with a lot of celebrity status tied to him but it was not tied to me and so my platform of money making conversations which is about entrepreneurship and entertainment allows me to uh, grow my brand and has allowed me to grow my brand and also to establish the voice of who i am and what i actually represent is knowledge and information that i give away for free on my podcast and on my YouTube channel to individuals. And I just been in, amazed at the amount of celebrities and people I don't know and did know, I do know, have done my show and are continually doing the show. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's Can you show. tell people how to find your show, just in case they? 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, you know, if you if you got a YouTube, I think everybody has YouTube. Just type in Money Making Conversations with an S, and it'll pop up. I have 31,000. I started my YouTube channel in January. I currently have 31,000 uh, subscribers on my YouTube channel. Um, I have a, uh, my social media. I have over, almost 800,000 Facebook followers at Rashawn McDonald. I have a fan club with almost 90,000, well, it's over 90,000 fan club followers. I have a newsletter that goes out every Friday morning at 9 a.m. And, um, and then I also have moneymakingconversations.com where you can listen to all the um, YouTube interviews that are tied to um, Money Making Conversations as well as my podcast, which is tied to iHeartRadio. So there are a lot of, usually, if you just Google my name, a lot of activity pops up. And it's usually tied to success because in doing your show, when, when the opportunity to do my show, I wanted to do your show because of the fact that I knew of my relationship with you. I don't, uh, it's not necessarily that we sat down and we ate some chicken together. <laughs> it's just that I knew of your relationship and I knew what you were trying to do. And so, you know, I can sit on my front porch and tell people and also share advice about, I'm just a regular guy, you know, that works very hard. I work very, very hard. And I get up every day at 4 a.m to to prepare for my success and usually i go to bed about 11 30 midnight every night and i'm comfortable with that schedule because i'm living my life and i don't need sleep because i i actually go to sleep to get up and a lot of people don't understand when i say that is that mm -hmm. if you go to sleep with a plan to get up then it's easy to get up you won't hit the snooze button yep but if you go to sleep and you don't know why you're getting up then it's gonna be a battle if you're getting up at a job you don't want, that's a battle. You're getting up with dealing with kids you don't want to deal with, that's a battle. If you're sleeping in bed with somebody you don't want to be sleeping with, that's a battle. Mm -hmm. So I have removed all the battles out of my life. I don't have battles when I get up because I have goals in place. Now, am I happy when I get up? No. Nobody's happy getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Nobody. But I have plans that I have to deal with, and I have success stories that I have to write. And that's my goals. I have questions for you. Money making conversations or conversations that I need to have because I got a kid who told Absolutely. me she was in medical school. Mm -hmm. So I need to make some more money. Absolutely. But before I get to that, I got to get to the economy. Right. Were you managing Steve Harvey in 2017 when he went to see Trump? No, I was not. I didn't think so. No. I'm just going to leave it like that. So no, the economy. <laughs> What is your take on the economy now? And if you were going to tell someone to invest in something, what would you let's tell talk them about to the, Let's talk about the economy in general. Because okay. um, I, I I've, lately I've become a pandemic expert because people, you know, I've talked about money-making conversations. People come to me and I am in favor of the country opening, reopening. I think it has to reopen. But the problem I'm, I'm, I'm not happy about is the misinformation. You know, Georgia was the first state to reopen. Mm -hmm. The first state to reopen. But they did not let everybody know that 80% of the, uh, the COVID-19 cases that were going into hospital were African-Americans. Mm -hmm. The country didn't let you know that seven out of 10 people in New Orleans that were affected were African-Americans with COVID-19. They didn't tell you the number was 43% in Chicago, 33% in Detroit, 23% in Milwaukee. They didn't tell you that nearly 25% of the people who died from COVID-19 in that national number are African-Americans. That's not fair. See, that's not fair. And so what is happening now is that we've reopened in the country and it's being staggered open because of the fact that we fight a political war. We fight a political war because a person wants to get reelected. Yes. And they're gonna treat this like it's the flu. If you don't have it, don't worry about it. And he's playing on, he's playing on the worst fears of people. You, you play food on your table food on your table and then you go okay well i'm not sick let's go back to work i wear a mask when i go out in the streets every time i got hand sanitizer your boy kitted up i am a you 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 come near me we're gonna do it like why are you coming that close <laughs> the cdc means something to me the cdc has told me how to live my life i plan on living my life as long as i can Rashad McDonald bought all his employees masks that were washable. So we got to talk about the economy, about how you have to live your life in the new normal before you start talking about how to make money. Right. So let's go to what's happening with, let's go to the core group. 
beauty and barber salons. Okay. Nobody had planned on hand sanitizers being part of their budget. Nobody had planned on facial masks being part of their budget. Nobody had planned on every other chair being empty. Boom. Now let's go to restaurants. Nobody had planned on saying, hey, you can only run a 25% occupancy of your restaurant. Now you're also dealing with the fact that black people know they are high risk. So they really don't want to go out. Right. And so with that being said, when you see these national news conferences, nobody tells you these numbers. And they start shifting the dynamics. Over 22,000 people have died from senior citizen homes. They don't talk about that no more. <laughs> see, as the narrative gets boring or you become desensitized to it, they move on. There's still people dying in these senior citizen homes. There. It's just wrapped in that big number. Yeah. And so, so what America's doing a disservice to is giving us information that we can actually live with. I tell everybody, if at the very beginning, if they just said, wear a mask, and we're going to give everybody in this country a mask, we're going to give everybody in this country hand sanitizer, they wouldn't be doing a PPP program. They would be doing a care program, a heroes program, or a trillion dollar bailout program because they would have told the truth. Hmm. A problem is coming. This is how we deal with it. Hmm. So, but what they've done is they've scared people because they don't have food on the table. They can't pay their rent. They call notes are behind. And now people out there battling and saying, hey, I need to work, despite the consequences of the health issues that you might bring back to the office or bring back to your home. That's what money making conversations now is in today's society. It's a political conversation and it's being played out every day in each state differently. Now, when you talk about the stimulus checks, right, as fast as they rolled out those stimulus checks, it kind of made me think that they could have gave us reparation a long time ago. Yeah. Well, yes, yes and no. Okay. Repar these checks were not for us. Okay. Understand that now. These right. checks were not for us. These checks were the general public. Now, what makes me mad when I'm watching TV and then a, a, a reality star who happens to be black has conned the government out of the $2 million PPP check. What? And he's used that check to buy rings, buy a house from Love and Hip Hop, one of the stars of Love and Hip Hop. Yeah. Got a $2 million check from the payroll protection program and he's buying a house with it, buying, paying uh paying uh, uh, child support payments and buying diamond rings and watches. What am I doing that, wrong? Huh? What am I doing wrong? Because I didn't get no... Well, you didn't fill out the paperwork like he filled it out. See, That's he, true. Uh, you, you always know that. You don't know what people... People who do wrong move way faster than people do right. See, people <laughs> do right try to get the paperwork right. He just shoves the paper in and hit the lotto and then went stupid. That's why people in jail. People in jail are in jail because they move faster. Or they think they move fast. So they think instead of depositing money in the bank, I'm going to rob money out the bank and get it faster. Man, instead I ain't buying drugs. I'm going to sell drugs on the corner. That is the problem with our system is that we are surrounded by people who feel they are smarter than us. And we watch it, we just watch it on television every day. And it's crazy. This really is a crazy society. And that's why I don't mind talking about it because it need, people need to hear the truth. And the truth is tied to numbers. You said he filled out his paperwork correctly. Yes, I'm over here like, I'm so stupid. I ain't even fill out no paperwork. What paperwork was I Because you were being honest. You were worried about going to jail. You was worried about if I feel the paperwork wrong, they're going to come get me. He didn't have those concerns. And they came, they're coming to get him anyway. <laughs> Two million dollars. Two million dollars. <laughs> I was just surprised when I looked and I saw a deposit was made in my bank account. And I was like, what did I do good? That's right. You did it right. But it was a small one, though, because my, my deposit was very small, too. I was, I was, I'm going to tell you, I got my PPP check and I was, it was a blessing. But it, it hurt me to say I did all this work and this is all I got. Yeah. And then I turned on the TV and this fool got $2 million and he's spending it on child support payments, diamond rings, <laughs> and watches. I, I didn't even know anybody got two million, so I'm over here dumb and devastated right now. Did well, they you, know, you know, the interesting thing about it is that that first round, 
you know, a lot of big checks got paid out. See, I, and the second round, the average payout is seventy nine thousand mm-hmm. dollars. The average payout in the second round of the PPP program, PPP two, is seventy nine thousand dollars. Understanding your board is way below that seventy nine thousand dollars, so I'm pulling that average down. I am definitely not pulling that average up. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't even know people got seventy nine thousand dollars. I need to have a real money making conversation with you. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. <laughs> that's what my show popping. You know. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna tell y'all something interesting here. You know, people say, "What drove states opening? Why? Why do states want to open? Because when the Georgia shut down, they decided we're gonna reopen. You know, they're gonna they're gonna reopen. The average visitor jumped to sixty two thousand people per day. Wow. When they reopened, the average visitor jumped to 62,000 per day. And those visitors came from the following states. 92% of them came from South Carolina, Alabama, Tennessee, and Florida. 92% of them. So when they, everybody gets numbers. So when they start seeing those numbers and start seeing that money leave their state, they go, hold up, hold up. <laughs> we need to open up. Yeah. yeah. And if you really look at the situation about all this overcrowded and beaches overrun, I bet you if you start pulling driver's license, you'll see they from out of state. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is really scary. Rashawn. That's my conversation. I thought that's why you had me on the show, Sheriff. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what, Rashawn? The reason why I wanted you on the show is this. I've been around the entertainment business for a long yes, time, for a while, for a while. And I never was the type of person that wanted to be in front of no camera. Never Absolutely. wanted to be, I just always like, I like helping and building something dope, you know, and I, and I never get credit for nothing either, but I never looked at it in a positive light the way you just said it, you know. Right. Um, but here I am, I got a great chance working with Cherry, who I've been a fan of forever, had a crush on growing up as well. And I just wanted to make, give me some advice, man. What can I do to help continue building this brand? She's going back to uh, doing Punky pretty soon. And I just, wanna, I just wanna help build this brand, man. And that's why I wanted to have people like you on, and you know, get her on your show later on. I just wanna- oh, Absolutely, you know, absolutely. Let me, let me just be honest with you. Uh, you know, I get that question a lot. You know, it's consistency, and, uh, and, and and you you have to be true to your plan. You know, first of all, you're a good-looking guy. Let's go and put your assets out there, okay? You're a good-looking guy. Yep. You have a strong, professional voice, okay, that, that demands attention, okay? Okay, you have a co-host who's a celebrity, okay? So, so that's a, that's a, that's a platform that everybody doesn't get. Okay. Right. You know, you know, let's go be honest. Yeah, I right. didn't come on this show to talk to you. I know. <laughs> to talk to CJ. I okay. Know. I you are a bonus. You are yeah. bonus. Trust and me. so in the process of being a bonus, I'm learning some things about the over I'm excited about doing the show because you know, in life, man, what I've learned is that I don't even know who I am till people start telling me what I've accomplished. Wow, your resume speaks for itself, sir. It does. It does. Because I am, I am, I am the worst person. Share when I accomplish something, I move on. I don't click champagne glasses. It was like uh, I, was a, I was a CMO for the Air National Guard, you know, which I, I, I did live events in 50 states. I controlled this black man for Air National Guard, a division of the military, branch of the military, Air National Guard, and I controlled all of the the website design, all social media posts, all commercial buys, which were almost 28 million dollars. I okayed all that, all the commercial productions, all that stuff was approved by me. This month, one of my activations, I went to New York City and took over the entire Penn Station with an Air National Guard activation. And I was just honored with what they call a Reggie, which is which is the which is the war for the best activation in the country for 2019. Wow. Those are the things I've accomplished in my life because of the fact that I don't sit back on my laurels. Right. And so when, I, when he asked me the question, what can he do? I'm telling you, you got to get up at the same time every day. Pick one day where you can rest, okay? Because God rested on one day, okay? So I'm not expecting you to do this seven days a week. But what happens with consistency, it starts you to challenge your dreams and challenge the people around you. 
Believe me, my wife doesn't even adhere to my schedule. I get up, she ain't thinking about moving, okay? <laughs> she gives up when she feels like it, okay? And so, so also your social media should start playing a role on developing or shaping who you are. Your social media should not be personal posts. Social media should be about the brand that you're trying to build. It should all, it always, if you're gonna post anything motivational, have that be an original thought from you. Don't post nobody else's thoughts on your social media. Use your own personal creativity, your own developed motivation to guide other people down that path. That, will, that way when you talk to them, it's all good. Yeah. And so with that being said, now you have Sherry. So she's enabled you to be exposed to a larger footprint. Right. Well, he, he enabled me. Because I never thought about doing a podcast. I got all that, TJ. I got all that. Stop <laughs> Say that, Courtney. You know, Steve Harvey is why I'm sitting on this call. Okay, Stephen A. Smith is why I'm sitting on this call. They just have trusted me enough to say you got the gifts to do it. So I'm asking him and reminding him of his responsibilities. He got the hook in the water. Now he got to keep fishing. You're the fish that he keep bobbing out there to catch bigger fish. Yeah. He's the producer. He's the executor. He's the man behind the man. But what I'm asking him to do, what I didn't do, is to be able to build his brand as he builds your brand. I didn't do that. Mm. That was a mistake. Don't lose yourself. Okay. That you That's, I tell him that all the time. Uh, with Stephen A. Smith, that's a big personality on a little man. He's, Absolutely. He's a lot like me. Um, let me tell you something. I'm going to tell you something about Stephen A. Smith. Um, let me tell you something about Steve Hub. Two of the smartest people I know. They work equally as hard as I work. I don't have to shake them to get out of bed. Oh, they'll complain, but the complaint <laughs> is never about how hard they have to work. Okay. They'll, because everybody has a right to, to be a, to say something negative, and they, but as long as that negative doesn't get in the way of the effort, then we good. That's right. Um, Stephen A is the most engaged sports media talent on social media. He drops a video like a singer, 100,000 views, 300,000. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Yeah, right. I've never seen that. Uh, it's, not, it's no one in the entertainment business that's not a singer. They can do what he does. That's true. When it comes to social media, I've never seen anything like that. Um, I feel fortunate that he trusts me. We have a new. We have a. In fact, uh, I can make this announcement now. We're executive producing a news. Uh, well, a, a recap that's going to be on ABC starting Tuesday. It's going to be Last Dance after the dance. Oh. He'll be hosting it starting Tuesday on ABC, and then it's going to move to Saturday. That's something nobody knew, so I'm making an announcement on the CJ show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's incredible. I'm actually a big Stephen A. Smith fan. I did a show with Penny Hardaway and Charles Oakley called The Bottom Line Sports Show for a while, and I uh -huh. actually studied Stephen to prepare myself to do the show. Yeah, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a gifted person, a hardworking person. You know, my whole thing with you, Sherry, is that you just have to admit your gifts, you know what I'm saying? You know, when you are a star, you have to say you are a star because, you know, you can go to the grocery store, people go, I go to the grocery store, they just walk past me, okay? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so, and so that's a responsibility that comes with that. And, and this is something, I, this is something I, I, I waited late in the game. You know, all my life I was saying things like, right place, right time, you know, it's a blessing. You know, I'm just lucky, you know, people look out for me. So what I was doing was denying my gifts, denying that all these things happened due to hard work. All these things was happening tied to my faith. All these things were happening because people trusted what I said. My word meant something. Same thing with you. You have to go ahead and accept the responsibility. They're not bringing you back on that show because they like you. You're an asset. And you have to admit to these assets, but what comes with that responsibility once you acknowledge that these gifts are real, then the responsibility comes in maintaining it. And that's when he comes in. 
He's the maintainer. <laughs> you know, I think for me, one of the reasons why I never, I never wanted to be famous. I never wanted to be on TV. I hear you. I kid when I made this you, crazy. You, you always thing. quit being famous. You know that, right? When? How? Yeah, just stop. Just don't go to that TV show no more. I, I got to pay. Turn off this, just stop this video right now. Just stop. Just stop. I don't know what else I would do. I'm not qualified. There you go. There, there you go. See, see, I'm, God has told you what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And you just admitted it public. What else I'm going to do? What else I'm going to do? these gifts. I exercise these gifts. So I was just asking you to be responsible to them and accept That's major. You know, I'm going to have to have a real conversation with myself when we get off here because I grew up thinking that one day I was going to be an architect, right? So acting was kind of my cop out because I had done Punky, I had done Family Matters, and then it was like, do you keep working or do you go to college? I tried to go to college. I just am not the school kind of girl. It just was not working for me. I was asleep because I was taking night classes because we were doing family matters. And then I went for one year without a job. And my next job that I got was on the Parkers. Right. I had my degree. Did you hear me earlier? I said my degree is in mathematics. Yes. I, tell you, I worked for IBM for five years, two and a half undergrad, two and a half professional full time. So we all have journeys that people up there been people say you're supposed to do. You know, I, I was supposed to I suppose I was supposed to stop right there, just go to college because that I I'd accomplished what people said I was supposed to do when I was in high school. They told me, go to college, get your job. I had the best job at work, IBM. All I do was find a wife and just start dropping kids. That's all I had to do, according to the model. Right. You are not a model. Mm -mm. You're a game changer. And when you have people with game-changing talent, there's a responsibility that comes with that. And what you have to do is you have to surround yourself with a support group that believes in you and helps you drive when the downtime is down. Because we're all going to have downtime. And it allows you to accept the responsibility when it's up. Be prepared. Because when, it, when, you, when you need somebody to fall on, I'm here for you. Thank you. That's all it is. You know, I, I can't, I can't, I'll be, I'll, I'll, it'll be, sorry of me and pathetic of me if I came on this show knowing how many talented people I work with and say, oh, it's all right. You know, just do what you're going to do. No, 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 no. You have a window and we all have a window. 65 means nothing to me. 75 means nothing to me. I tell people, stop using this and age as an excuse of reaching your dreams. And so you can do whatever you want. I just believe that in your life, you just have not had the support system around you to tell you that you're great and to help you to stay great and Thank become greater. That's all. Thank you. That's, a, that's what I specialize in. I make people great. I make people money. That's what I do. Money yes, make you, conversation. Yes, you well, do. Can, you, can you help us make some money, sir? Because like I said, my daughter has already said she's going to Baylor. She's uh -huh. going to work at Baylor Scott White. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to have to pay for medical school. <laughs> Well, you know, she has a responsibility too. How old is your daughter? Five. Okay, that means that academics should be strong in her life. She is going into the fourth grade. She reads at go. a fourth grade level at five years old. There you go. So, you know, see, the future's already set. You just got a whole course with her. You know what I'm saying? And then allow her to still have a life because she's, she's, she's going to be younger than her age group. Okay. Yes. So you have to put the right support system around her so... So as she as she ascends and she gets older, that she doesn't feel out of place and she doesn't develop any any complexes, uh, uh, mental complex, uh, mental issues because of the fact that she's talking to people several years older than her. Yes, she is a black belt in Taekwondo. She's working on her second black belt and she's in mm -hmm. class with ten year olds, mm -hmm. which is her peers when it comes to her age group in school. Right. You know, but they're so much more mature than her. They. They carry her and cover her like she's their baby. Right. Which is but all she, good. Yes. I'm thankful. <laughs> I'm thankful for the group of kids who have basically adopted her and taken her on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And she's doing Taekwondo in case anybody gets too smart. She can kick Absolutely. them in the neck. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> anything that makes me run from this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, you're in great shape, Rashawn, and but you cook desserts all day. And, and I've been on this quarantine with, with my my wife and my mother-in-law and they've been making these desserts and and i just 
just hey, it's been eight weeks in the house eating banana pudding and <laughs> how oh, you do it, man? I'm gonna tell you something, man. The quarantine, because you know, I had a, I, I, I was when I when I stopped uh, managing Steve Harvey in 2016, I was like 220 pounds. Okay. Now I weigh 185. I weigh 185. Wow. And so, and that lets you know that I wasn't happy with my life. I was just living my life. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so, and not say that anything that was happening to me was negative. It's just that you know when you just living day to day and and be irresponsible about what you're supposed to do. Well, I got down to 195, and then during the quarantine, I got on the scale, I was at 200, because I had changed my eating habits. I was suddenly eating breakfast, I was eating lunch, and I was yeah. eating dinner. Yeah. And I don't, do, I don't eat like that. Mm-hmm. I don't eat, I'm a two meal a day guy. Suddenly I was eating three meals a day. And I was like, whoa, whoa, because I love eating. Now, if you, are, you follow me on my Facebook, you'll see some food. Yeah. And your boy eats. I, I remember it was three Sundays in a row I was posting where I was eating these big bowls of ice cream. Just let everybody know this is what I do. You know, don't be bad at me. But I would answer your question. I drink a lot of water. Okay. I drink a tremendous amount of water. Now, Chick-fil-A has this incredible lemonade. Oh. Now, I would go in there and grab me some lemonade and drink it like it's water. Of course, you're just drinking sugar then. Just drinking sugar. sugar. And so so but water is the reason I am able to maintain my 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 physique, as they say. Because I eat. But the pandemic fattened your boy up. And I had to cut one of those meals down. And so because I was eating man, I was eating like two eggs for breakfast with two a pan sauce and three slices of bacon, toast, and some grits. I'm from the south. Your boy eat grits, okay? Me too. the next day, I bust open five those little those, those little cans of biscuits that come five in a five in a can. Same. I don't. I wasn't sharing. I got all five of those. <laughs> me too. Make me serve me some scrambled eggs with cheese and me some some good old andouillean sausage that's been boiled and then <laughs> fry that bad boy. When you split it down the middle, that was my breakfast on a regular basis, and I got up to two two hundred two hundred pounds. So now, you know I. Get my raisin brands in the morning. <laughs> I went and bought my nuts. You know what I'm saying? Got me some uh, tortilla chips with me some picante sauce, <laughs> baked potatoes. See, I've calmed down. So now I'm back down to 185. Okay. But what you will not do to me, sir, is stop me from eating my desserts. I don't care what you say. Yeah. I'm eating my desserts. I'm noticing that because, like, you cooking these desserts. I remember Steve used to give you a lot of crap about it, you know, yeah. make funny. But he called me an old white lady. Yeah, <laughs> Betty Crop. And so my thing is, like, I've been at home and I'm making pancakes every morning with, for my wife and kids, and they love. Yes. I got the Cracker Barrel mix, and I'm making, and they and they love it. Oh, 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 oh! The Cracker Barrel. You got the Cracker Barrel mix. Yeah, I got the Cracker oh, Barrel. Yeah. The pecan, pecan, the pecan pancakes. Now they like the original. Oh, brother! See, I. Cracker Barrel, the pecan pancakes. I'm done. That's, that's my dude. Cause I got, I got that, I got that too. See what you ain't gonna do is out food conversation me on your show. <laughs> the perfect food scale, the perfect bake scale. Tell me about this bake scale. Um, that that came about was that uh, you know when I was with executive producing the Steve Harvey show in Chicago, um, I, I used to post pictures of me baking. I would post them and they would just go viral, you know. And this company out of uh, Washington, uh, Portland, right outside of Portland, Washington, took notice of that. And they contacted me and they said, well, we got this scale, you know, no measuring cups, no measuring spoons. Would you like to be a participant in it? Would you like to, we'd like to come down and show you the product. And so they came down and I said, look, I like it, but can I, change some of your menus. I say, can I, because see, let me, what bothers me about cookbooks is that they'll say the word eggs, but there are different types of eggs. There are large eggs and jumbo eggs, mm. and they make a difference in the menu. I said, can I just really start breaking down? Like, can I also tell people exactly what type of sugar I use, domino sugar? Can I tell them what type of flour? So when they look at my recipe, they can kind of get a sense of what to buy when they go in a grocery store. And so they said they were cool with that. And it became a phenomenon for me. Um, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a percentage owner in the company. And um, 
that would, uh, that's the only thing I used to bake with. Um, I, I baked for my staff. And uh, last fall, I went, I, Kelly Clarkson. I uh, did a, a lot of my staff from the Steve Harvey show are now on the Kelly Clarkson show. And so mm. last Thanksgiving, I did a big old spread for them. And oh. Kelly Clarkson, she didn't know I was doing it. And so her husband that came by along with her sister said, somebody told them that guy over there made it. And, and they said, who is he? Does he work for us? They said, no, he just, he just loves us. And he said, he's going to do it. And so Kelly Clarkson came over there. She said, did you really do this for my staff? I go, yeah, because that's how I am. You know, that's a, that's a part of who I am. I, I rented a hotel in uh, Beverly Hills for two days. They had a kitchen, kitchen, uh, uh, you know, kitchen, an oven and microwave and, and uh, refrigerators. I had to rent two hotel rooms because I needed to do two, I needed two stoves. And so I was running in between connecting hotel rooms and made uh, three turkeys, 18 desserts, uh, uh, sweet potatoes, uh, baked potato salad, green pea and onion salad, uh, cornbread, and- um, Amazing. Yeah, yeah. So the, so people, the people in Beverly Hills hadn't seen anything like that in their life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because they eat salad. <laughs> yeah, so, but, that, that, but that's my life though. You know, that's, that's who I am now. You know, uh, I'm gonna go when I when I when I end this call. I'm gonna go inside, watch Netflix. I'm gonna watch a couple of shows, and I'm gonna get up the next day and find out who life I can make better. That's my mission. My mission is hopefully, if one person is inspired by this call that we're having tonight, then I've accomplished my task. I like to believe that I've inspired one person on this call tonight, and Definitely. then that person over here will help you sustain greatness, and then you'll help him reach his dream because it's a joint effort. Absolutely. It's a joint effort. And when he saw me on the set of the Steve Harvey show, what he saw was a guy who was not seeking attention. No, what? Just respect. That's yeah. all I was seeking, respect. That's right. Yeah. That's beautiful. I'm, you're from Houston. So I got to bring it back to Houston because I have a love affair with Houston. Yeah. We just, yes, I used to own a restaurant shortly in Houston. Where? Right off of Bissonette in the Beltway in the hood. Across the street from the Popeyes. Yeah. Yeah, right there. Yeah, I know it's on the Southwest Freeway. I know yeah. exactly. What's the name of the restaurant? It was called That's It. And unfortunately, I didn't have the right partnership. And when I left, I had to come back to California to go to work. So it didn't stay open very long after. Yeah, when was that open? Oh, was it 2010 or 2011? Yeah, I know that restaurant. Mm -hmm. It's a soul food spot. Yes. Nini's fried chicken. You no, know so I've ordered, I didn't know you owned it, but I've ordered food from there. Really? Yeah, I didn't know you owned it, you know, because I like good food. I did. How did but you? I know exactly where. That's on Southwest Freeway. Yes. Yeah, you was in the hood, girl. You yes. in a lot of hoods. You was in Chinatown. <laughs> you was in Mexican town. You was in Black town. You had all kinds of things running around you. I was. <laughs> and I loved it. I loved it. I loved the people. And I loved being there. So that's probably one of my dreams to come back one day and do it again when I like retire and I don't have to leave and go to work. But I wanted to ask you about Fifth Ward. The gentrification down there in Fifth Ward is something serious. Well, you know, Fifth Ward is where I was born. I was born in a two-bedroom shotgun house. Really? Uh, I would tell people, like, what's a shotgun? That means you open the front door, shoot a gun out the back door, don't hit nothing. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and so my father was a truck driver, third grade education, my mom, high school graduate, you know. And um, when I look at an area like that, I, because I, I, my house is still there, the, the house I was born in is still there, 3815 Bain Street. That's the house I was born in. And I was calling it Russell and Bain. And yes, there's a, there's a, they put a freeway at the end of the, uh, uh, end of the street. Mm -hmm. So that lets you know, they don't put freeways up unless they try to bring somebody in. Or right. Out fast. Right. So that means that the whole community changes. That means that taxes go up, taxes go up. People who are living there have to move out. That's why you always notice that whenever they change a the neighborhood, the homeless people are the first people to go because they're the people who ain't paying taxes. So they're going <laughs> to first get the people who ain't paying taxes out first. Then they're going to get the people who kind of paying taxes. They're going to get them out next. And then they're going to move into people who can't pay taxes. And then you go, where do those people go? Nobody knows. They're just a disappearing, a disappearing group of people that are that are disenfranchised because they can't afford taxes. 
Absolutely. We have a brother that was on the show. His name is Christopher Senegal, and he's actually been spending his time in Fifth Ward buying blocks. Yeah. You know, the, the way it works is you buy a block and then uh, at that low tax rate. And what they'll do is they'll cut you a deal because the cities in general, their job is to make money. And the only way they're going to make money is by increasing the value of the property. And by increasing the value of the property, you take those taxes and you can pay for better schools. And so know that there's a underlying message to you got to stay in the lane of the of the get and not in the lane of I ain't got it. If you stay in the lane of the get, you're accepting of what's going on. But because of the minorities or people of color generally are in the lane of I don't have it, then they suffer the consequences of that. And so, but that's how it works. You know, you can go in and tell people, hey man, I'm trying to buy this block. You're gonna get it at a low price. And then you can go start knocking on doors. I need you to move. I need you to move. I'm not gonna pay any rent. You can't pay rent anymore. I'm gonna stop. You gotta move. Got 30 days. And so he's doing exactly what other people are doing in the community. You gotta move these people out. They're gonna tear down those houses. They're gonna put up townhomes or, 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 or patio homes. They'll be like four four times the value of the property that they tore down. Then they're gonna have property value taxes that they can charge, and everybody's happy to build those comps up. So do you feel like this is a year to invest in real estate or would- I'm gonna tell you, it's a year to invest in the stock market mm -hmm. because it's low. Now we all know it's not gonna stay low. No. So it's a year to invest now. You can, if you can invest now, you should invest. I'm gonna tell you the, 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 the part of the, of the uh, structure that's gonna hurt the most is gonna be real estate office real estate is going to suffer yeah. because when you make when you hear a company like twitter make the announcement that stay home you don't have to come to work yeah. my staff you know they've been working from home ever since the pandemic hit the announcement to stay at home and so we do meetings at morning and afternoon so i'm looking at i still want to buy a building in atlanta that's where i'm based at i still have a home in houston texas as well and so but guess what? They're gonna have to give me a pandemic price. Mm. A pandemic because office spaces. Okay, so here's the vicious cycle of how this works. So if people stop coming to work, we well, have businesses that have been designed to cater to people who come to work. Right. And so those those businesses close, and they start shuttering. And so so the deal is is that what we're looking at is a society that. Yes, you can go back to work, but what are you, who are you, and what are you going back to work to? Because the jobs that you once had don't exist anymore. Companies like Sears, J. Crew, uh, 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 clothes, Golden Corral, buffets can't even open back up now. Oh. You know, and so and Golden Corral, my shop now. I go, that's my place there. <laughs> Bogo to Shade, that's my place too. Going there, get the Brazilian steakhouses. I love those places. Yeah, so they can't even reopen. So these there are businesses out there that people don't tell you. Everybody keeps talking about restaurants reopen. Buffets are not reopening. Not enough. They can't. That makes so much sense. Sir, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else that you want Cherry's World to know before we have to let you go? No, I'm good. You know, know that I came on because I was excited to talk to uh, to you and found mm -hmm. another uh, somebody I'm mentoring, which is great. Mm -hmm. I always know that to get in touch with my contact people, I they tell them, I ask them for my cell number. I have no problem uh, communicating with you as a friend, as a person of, you know, man, I, one of these days I am going to be called off this earth and I want to make sure that I've been drained. I want to make sure that I've told enough people how great they can be and show them how they can be great. That's sweet. That in the end, I'm cool. Because this body gonna be this body gonna be well fed. This body gonna be this brain gonna be empty. So when I go, I'm gonna be all good. I'm gonna be all good. That is very sweet and very giving, especially from Hollywood. Because everybody in Hollywood, I'm gonna tell you right now, ain't like this man. That's like, but guess what? I'm living in Atlanta. I'm living in Houston. I've I've learned that you know that the, the, there's a struggle we all have to deal with people. In 2005, 2015, I was announced that I had cancer. And 
and they, you know, I don't care who you are, when they say the word cancer to you, yeah, it turns out the lights. You know, yeah. you, you really do because you don't you don't worry about you don't hear about cancer survivors. They just told you you got an illness or disease that kills people rapidly and on uh, and on a regular basis. And I already lost a sister to cancer. And so I sat there in that chair and I didn't tell my family for a few days because I was just taking it all in. And what I and I'm gonna just tell you guys this is that I wanted to make sure where was I in my life. If th if this was it, had I done had I done everything that I could do with my life, and you know some, I was cool. And so I was cool, and 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 and, and I just say that to say this to anybody. You got you can't be afraid. You can't be afraid of opportunity. You can't be afraid of change, and you can't allow fear of change to stop you from reaching your greatness or seeking a new opportunity. Because new opportunities is what makes people successful and give you an opportunity to change your life. That's all. Wow. Uh, one, one, last, one last question, though, Cherry. How do you think this COVID-19 is going to affect Hollywood in general as far as filming and recording and, you know, entertainment? Like, how, how do you think well, it's going to affect it? Well, here's the, here's the, here's the deal. Um, I, I, I think, let's go deeper than that. I, how is COVID-19 going to affect dating? You know, because that's that's even a bigger issue. I think how we're going to socialize in a in a, in, in the new dating world, mm. because you know there's there's no there's no vaccine, and so Hollywood is going to have like like for instance, unless you're somebody like who's always a visionary, Tyler Perry. You know, he bought his new studio was mm. all, was which was an old military base. It had barracks. He refitted the barracks. It has a cafeteria, so he's going to start up his production and bring everybody on the base. Everybody's going to get tested, and they cannot leave until the taping's over. Mm -hmm. You know what? I have a question. Does that mean staff as far as, like, everybody, like the crew, everybody who's cooking, transportation, is that everybody has to stay there? I think that, I think that only with the, with the acting professionals and the crew, okay, because of the fact that, you know, like I told you, I got my facial mask, I got my rubber gloves, I got my hand sanitizer. And then I got, and then, you know, you have shields to keep you six, six, six feet apart. And so it has been proven that if you follow the directions of the CDC, infection can be reduced. And so I just know a person like Tyler Perry has a clear understanding that everybody who comes on the set is probably going to sign a release form. Mm -hmm. it, because the biggest problem in Hollywood is not Hollywood starting back up. It's companies that want to insure them. Mm -hmm, absolutely. You know, we've been, we've been pushed back too. And one of the calls that we got from producers from Soleil and I is, do you have passports? Mm -hmm. And will you relocate? Right. And so we're like, what is that? Soleil and I have both been in the house since March 8th. We ain't left. We ain't let our kids leave. Like we've, We've been in our little compounds. Right. Right. Yeah. You hunkered down. Like yeah. you're supposed to. Yeah, we did what we like were supposed, supposed to. to. Okay. Look, the thing about it, everything you said that you're doing, it should be adhered to by everybody who's listening to this call. And, uh, what I don't want people to do is go out there and, and feel be, be be embarrassed or feel be bullied into not conforming to what the CDC is saying you're supposed to do, especially if you're an African American. Absolutely. With pre-existing conditions. Well, it's not even that. It's just that, it's just that we have to understand that I, 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 you know, I'm a cancer survivor. There, I, I just need to live my life right. Now, we just know that you can get on a plane. I'm going to drive to Houston. Okay, my wife, she's driving to Houston. Okay, I got it. And so, because why, why should I get on a plane and risk somebody sitting next to me, infection, recirculating air, Mm -hmm. you know and things like that and so i just feel that we just need to understand that do not allow other people to bully your your your, your ability to stay healthy that's a beautiful ending sir thank you i appreciate y'all hey. no, for an hour well 55 <laughs> minutes because i was confused in the beginning <laughs> this has been Again, an honor sir number, okay so we can talk the mentorship starts tomorrow
Oh my God, I love that. Thank you so much. And thank you for being open. Thank you to everybody who you mentor. I appreciate y'all. Stay healthy and stay safe. Bye -bye. Hey. Oh, wow. That was dope. <laughs> that was dope. You go, Courtney. That's all you, boo. Nah, man. You heard, you heard what he said? He said, I didn't come over here to talk to you. <laughs> that's real. You know, because I showed you the tweet. I mean, the DM. So that's real. And, and, and I'm glad he said it because it's real. Yeah. You are a star. Everybody that's... comes on here says it, Jerry. You are a star. Did you see how Kelly looked at me when I said, hey, Kelly, you know you famous? Like, I was stupid, right? Like, mm -hmm. it's that's just so weird. My mom told me... 39 years ago now, the only stars in this world are in the sky. Right. Stars are untouchable and your little black ass can be touched. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I just feel, I feel much smarter now after talking to somebody like him. He's a, he, he was very nice. Welcome to Cherry's World. Brought to you by Less Is More Events. Get Lime. Lime. Lime.